Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of Cosmic Soup, and I am freaking excited to be here. You know why? That's right. It's F-Tag Friday, and we're making good on our promise to decode and demystify these troublesome tags so that you can stay out of hot water and keep the man off your back. And with me, of course, is the legendary Randy Sater and her magical super secret decoder ring. Hey, Randy, welcome to episode two of F-Tag Friday. What you got for us today? Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, again, the Food and Nutrition Services F-Tags, F-801 and F-802, and it refers to um, communities having qualified dietary staff and sufficient staff as well in their departments. Ooh, so we're talking about two, two drastically important things that are also facing major challenges. Number one, in terms of overall staff, especially during COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the, the uh, probably highly controversial, quote unquote, qualified staff. So uh, tell, us, uh, tell us more about this then. What's, what's, uh, what's going on with, with this FTAG? Yeah, you know, and it is interesting, even though we have the pandemic going on, I mean, the requirements remain the same. uh, And we understand communities struggle so much with finding enough staff. But yet again, uh, we have to have qualified uh, staff in place because we still have to uh, make sure that our residents are, are fed and that they're well taken care of. So, uh, for F801, qualified dietary staff, this reser- uh, refers to the regulation that actually was recently changed with some education requirements for the people that are in charge of the dining services department. So the bosses, you oh. know, and uh, <laughs> we want to make sure we have qualified bosses around. And, uh, uh, you know, basically what it uh, states is that you have to have a registered dietitian on staff, either full or part-time or as a consultant. And this uh, registered dietitian has to be licensed in the state that they're working in, as well as being registered by uh, the Commission of Dietetic Registration, which is a national uh, commission. Now, if you don't have a dietitian on staff full time, then you also have to have a person. You need to designate a person who will serve as the director of food and nutrition in your community. So uh, there's a long list of requirements um, that they have to meet in order to be qualified for this position. Yeah. So when we're talking about qualifications, it's not just a matter of somebody says, oh, I think you've got good experience and you're good enough. You have to literally have the certifications um, and the accreditations behind you to be able to even have these jobs, correct? That is very, very correct because registered dietitian comes registered dietitians come in and they evaluate or assess the residents. So yes, you need to know what you're doing in terms of clinical assessments and making recommendations to uh, to doctors in terms of their, um, you know, care plan. So for a dietitian, we are obligated to have a bachelor's degree from a high, from an accredited, uh, a college or university within the United States. And uh, we also have to have a minimum of 900 hours uh, of, of supervised, uh, supervised practice under the supervision of a registered dietitian or professional. So uh, that's what I went through in my college years, which was, uh, uh, it felt like a lengthy road. 
during the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have that in order to be able then to evaluate these, these very vulnerable um, elderly uh, seniors in our communities. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And if I was going to go into a, a skilled nursing program or if one of my relatives was going to go into one, I would want to feel like there's the right people in place to uh, ensure their safety and, and well-being. Exactly. Yeah. So when you have a dietitian then who's only like part-time and they come in and, and do the, the clinical side of things um, uh, in terms of their resident care, then you have to have someone, again, that, you know, the director of food, nutrition, uh, food and nutrition, and they need to be either a certified dietary manager um, or something similar to that with an associate's degree. And also they need to meet state requirements for for those um, types of, of positions as well. So again, like you said, you can't just come in and say, oh, I think I want to do this job. There needs to be some edu- educational background too with it. Yeah. So a little different in the case, for instance, uh, in the regular culinary field, you can have a lot of chefs who are fantastic chefs um, who may or may not have been through culinary school, who may or may not have, you know, decades of experience behind them, but are able to go into a place and just make super awesome food that rules. And everybody's like, wow, this is the best food I ever had. You can't do that in the skilled nursing environment. You have to have those credentials behind you besides just having a skill set to uh, to practice your profession. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, a chef could come in and I would love to have more chefs in, in these types of communities because I think they bring so much to the table. Uh, they can go in based on their experience. They can go in then and, and take a quick course to become a certified dietary manager and take a test so they would be qualified then. And, um, you know, that's what I would love to see more of actually in these communities, because again, I think that they can make so many great changes for our residents. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I I think that's awesome. So for a chef to become uh, a CDM is not really that, that big of an obstacle. No, it shouldn't be. I mean, because, I mean, they have to take uh, some classes on um, infection control, on, um, you know, just the different types of uh, sanitation uh, classes and, um, you know, areas like that. And uh, I think that in their training, if they're a chef already, they probably already had that in school. So it just would be a matter of studying back up again and then taking that test. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff is also... uh you know, common place in things like serve safe certifications mm-hmm. or any other number of, uh, of courses out there that, that will actually give you uh, credits for taking those. So, so what other positions then might be required uh, to meet these, uh, this particular FTAG requirement, or is it just those two? Well, we also have, then we need to have sufficient dietary support personnel and that falls under that F um, 802. And that just means that your line staff, um, well, you have to get them educated and trained and you have to make sure that all positions are filled so that they're putting out food that is great for our residents and, um, uh, you know, that they know what they're doing. Uh, because, I mean, if they don't, if they don't get enough uh, training and you don't check that they know what they're doing, uh, there could be some 
violations, there could be some hazards involved with that. Because if you don't know how to, I mean, properly wash your hands or properly prepare some food, we know that that could cause various issues such as even foodborne illness and cross-contamination. So you have to make sure uh, not only that you hire good people, but you train them and then you do competencies checks on them too on a pretty frequent basis to make sure that they, they're okay within um, their job duties. You know what blows my mind, Randy? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> blows my mind. But since you mentioned that, you know, following up and checking up, back in the day, there used to be this thing called a performance evaluation or a review. Uh-huh. And it just doesn't seem to happen anymore. I mean, is this is this the same in, say, skilled nursing arenas that, that people aren't getting followed up on? I think that's very, very common. And I think that's why, too, the government has put a bigger emphasis on making sure that uh, communities adhere to these, like, this guidance, um, that they're actually doing it because now the surveyors come in and ask for a copy of those performance evaluations. And, and it's not just a review, but it has, it contains action items that you have to follow up on. So competencies. So that is pretty new within the last few years that um, you have to um, make sure that they have the skills and abilities to do the job properly. And it makes sense. It seems like, oh my gosh, you know, now I have to do so much more for my work here. But it makes sense because you want to make sure that they're doing things right. And and ultimately, I mean, we're serving the residents and, and they have to be safe at the end of the day. And that's why the government is putting this extra effort and focus on these areas. Can a community be cited if they don't have enough employees in these they, areas? Yeah, they can be. Absolutely. And um, in, in these areas, because I mean, what it ties back to is if you're not serving meals on time, you're serving subpar quality food, they're going to really put a hyper focus on these areas and, and, and check to see, OK, well, let me look at your staffing grid. Um, how many people did you have on staff yesterday? Or let's say let's go back two weeks and let's look at that uh, and investigate um, as to why you're having these issues. So if you're not having enough staff, then I mean, that's that's a, like just a given that you're not going to be able to produce great food. So yeah, they look at that. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, as we talked about earlier, it's a very challenging time right now. And I think that the mentality that a lot of administrators and a lot of management staff have is, well, I'm understaffed. So I'll just, you know, I'll work extra hours or I'll ask my employees to work extra hours. And then sometimes as a result of that, employees just say I've had enough and then they go and then now you're twice as short. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I think there is a challenge in maintaining those staff levels uh, and, and of course, maintaining the, the quality and the controls behind that. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, I, I know that this is just a, a asking for you on a, on a personal insight level, but, you know, what are some ideas to maybe help ma make sure places stay staffed? Uh, what can the administrators do to, to make sure that, you know, they're not going to get cited for these violations? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, you have to have a, a, a great work environment with a supportive um, 
in a boss, the dining supervisor, and that it, again, in turn, is supported by yeah, administration. And of course, money plays a big role, too. I mean, because people are not going to work extra, extra hard for for little money. Um, they they want to be um, uh, paid competitively. And uh, I think that all um you know, CEOs and administrators always need to do salary surveys to make sure that the dining staff land where they're supposed to, because otherwise they're just going to go elsewhere. They're going to go to the, you know, the neighboring uh, community and get paid more. So they need to focus on that. In addition, they need to make sure, yes, that they are receiving the proper training, that they're not overworked. If, if you know, the dining supervisor needs to step in here and there, I think that just sets a great example, uh, you know, for for showing support and for showing uh, that they're not too good to step in and work um, on the line if needed. And and that way you can build more of a cohesive team. Uh, And I know right now it's very challenging out there because of the pandemic and people are not wanting to work in these communities because of the risk of of getting sick and whatnot too. But if you just focus on, on the individuals and you check in with them and you show them that you care, I think that goes a long way too. So what else do we need to know about 801 and 802? Uh, It's just that uh, all of these things, um, you know, they actually go back to something that we call the facility assessment. And this is also a regulation. So everything gets tied in with that. So the number of staff you have in the department has to be documented on that. And that's something that the surveyors will pull right on like day one of an annual inspection. So I would just suggest that, you know, document this now, make sure you you know what you have within your department now. So you don't have to scramble when they come in and make sure that, you know, these um, staffing levels are sufficient uh, to to meet the needs of, of all the residents in terms of, of, of dining and, uh, you know, that it's accurate because, again, you don't want to have to go and, and, and look like a question mark when the surveyors come in. You want to make sure you have uh, have that documented and that's something you would do with your administrator. So um, if you don't have that as a dining um, services director, then touch bases with your administrator and make sure that gets um, documented. Absolutely. And if I may throw one quick blurb in here, a good, I guess, best practice that is common, not only in the restaurant business, but, uh, you know, in retail land and any other professional uh, environment is as a manager or as an administrator or as somebody in the leadership role, always be interviewing even if you think you don't need bodies, because trust me, at some point you'll need the bodies and you always want to have what we call bench, uh, which Mm -hmm. is just a list of people that you can go to when that time happens. And sure, you might interview people and not have a spot for them, or you might find somebody you like so much, you make a spot for them. And uh, those that choose to only interview after people leave you're setting yourself up for failure and you're just making your life that much harder. So, uh, you know, do do weekly interviews or biweekly interviews or monthly interviews or just put some kind of a system in place where you're always talking to talent, trying to retain talent, partner with your HR directors or whatever you have to do to make that happen. But, um, you know, staying ahead of the game in terms of uh, possible uh, employees and team members really makes your life that much easier. Totally agree. And well said. 
Well, thanks, Randy. I uh, appreciate uh, the conversation about these two F tags, and uh, we'll do this again real soon. Okay, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Moral of the story, keeping your community staffed with appropriately qualified team members isn't just a suggestion for convenience and sanity. It's actually a federal requirement. And we know it's tough out there right now, especially with the pandemic. So if you're really struggling, feel free to send an email to CosmicSoup at 3rd3rd.com and we'll put you in touch with one of our community or culinary coaches. Well, that's it for this F-Tag Friday, but there's more on the way. So stay tuned and we'll see you soon on Cosmic Soup.